I'm going to read from, again, from Exodus chapter 20, third week in a row. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a solid 10 weeks in a row, just so you know. Um, we're going to read the Ten Commandments again. Um, at the end of the series, you will know the Ten Commandments. That is, that is one of the objectives. You'll at least know the Ten Commandments. And we'll, be, we'll be covering the Third Commandment today. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the third commandment. This one, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. And then I'm going to read from Acts chapter 4. When they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if you, we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man had been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your law, which is good. It's good for us. It does good to us. And it leads us in a life of liberated freedom under your hand. God, I pray that our hearts would long for your commands. The, the ears that we have would be open, that the eyes that we have would be open, that our hearts would be soft and ready to receive your word, and we'd receive them with joy. God, we need your help to do that. Help me to speak those words. Help us to receive them by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. That is in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Um, I am terrible with names. Very terrible. Um, I've, and I'm, I'm getting worse at it, actually. 
Um, I've always been bad with names. This is not just because I'm almost 40. It's just there's a spot in my brain that's dead. And that is the spot where names live. I will remember your face. I will remember everything that you say to me, pretty much. My wife may disagree. But I will I'll remember most things that you say to me, and I'll hold them in my mind for a long time, and I will immediately forget your name. Immediately. And I'm very sorry. That is true. You may be thinking, oh, he's talking about those people out there. No, I mean you. <laughs> I, and we could have talked many times. I forgot your name. I, I, I promise you I have. I have used other people to cover for my loss of names. I don't know how many people I've introduced you to so that you would tell them your name. And so that I look like that I remembered your name. I do it all the time. Now I'm showing you my card, so if I introduce you to somebody, you can just say, you forgot my name. And you can turn to me and say, it's okay. Or maybe you don't have to say it's okay. You can say, my name is. Um, when I was in uh, Young Life Leader for a little bit, they really emphasized learning people's names. I quickly quit Young Life. I just wasn't, not a fit, it's not a fit. Um, names are important, I recognize it, that's part of why I feel bad, because I know that it really doesn't feel good to have the person that you know you've talked to not remember your name, I feel bad. Um, but even, that being said, names don't mean to us what they meant to the people of the Bible. Um, we choose names for people today because basically they sound cool. Um, you, can, you can look at lists of names and their popularity through time and just laugh as you can identify the generations. And I'm not going to do this because I don't want to name anybody's name um, and, and make it seem like you have a terrible name. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, I would invite you to compare, like, Gen Z popular names to uh, boomer names. They're very different. And it is not because, I would say, in either one of those sets, people have different values. And before, they were naming people according to these values and this. I just think people picked the names that sounded good to them. That's generally what what people do today, or you name them because they're associated with somebody that you love. Probably, that's it. That's probably the, the grade that somebody has to pass and to get a name. Um, and you make something of your name. You become, you know, I have, have lived up to Anthony in a particular way. Uh, I was named for my grandfather, for example. Uh, his name was Jose Antonio, and I'm Anthony Joseph because my mom didn't want a Joe or Joey. And it needed to be English, because my mom doesn't speak Spanish. Um, you will own and live up to your name in a particular way. This is not how the Bible works with names. People in the Bible are named more for their meaning than anything else. I don't know a lot about aesthetic preferences for people 4,000 years ago. Um, maybe they liked the sound of particular names, but the names were generally chosen because of their meaning. And that meaning was, is an assignment. Uh, it could be a description that was given to the parents by God uh, that is descriptive of what that person will be. 
But the meaning is what's most important. And that, that really matters when you listen to this commandment. Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. Because you need to recognize that you're walking into a different world than you and I inhabit, where names mean something a lot more. Um, this is probably of the Ten Commandments, just personally, the one, one of the top two that I'm least excited to talk about, because it just, because names mean less to us, it seems weirder. It seems like a, a legal detail. It seems um, boring. You've got 10 commandments, and 10% of this list is devoted to this idea, which in itself is a sign probably to me and to you that we don't really understand the territory that we're walking into. Why would this be, by our counting, the third commandment? Number three, if you're Lutheran or Catholic, it's number two. Why is this the third command that God gives? And also, we live in a world where the breaking of this commandment is so ordinary. We don't, honestly, I don't even usually recognize it. I don't. It doesn't even register to me because it is so ordinary. The name of God is used all, vast majority. You're most likely to hear the name of God out of surprise or exclamation or intensifier of some kind, usually followed by another profanity. And it's just sort of normal. Um, not too long ago, I was listening to a sports podcast um, one that I, I listen to frequently. And I've, I realized with surprise that I was offended at the way that they were using the name of Jesus. And they weren't doing it, uh, this definitely wasn't the worst, <laughs> like I've heard worse. They, but they were using it in that sort of common surprise sort of way, exclamation sort of way. And I was surprised at my surprise. That's how normal it is for me. I was like, oh, wow, this is kind of bothering me. I, I thought I would be more used to this by now. That, that is how normal it is. Um, I, I, my assumption is, in this room, in this context, I don't need to make a case for you as to why you should not use the name of God as an exclamation or a curse. Can we just set that aside? Probably if you've come into a church building, maybe you're here on accident, but probably I don't need to argue that with you. You probably know we think that's bad. That's an easy one. That's the, that's the softball, actually. Um, and we, we can't even do the simplest version very well, which is a sign of the problem. Um, this probably dates me um, more than I'm willing to reckon with at this point. But when I was in high school, um, there's these T-shirts that became quite popular. I don't know if you remember this. Jesus is my homeboy. Do you remember this? This was a thing. This had a moment. Um, I remember them talking about it at church um, for sure. I remember seeing them at school. 
Apparently there's more of a, I looked this up, you can still buy these t-shirts, I'm not commending them to you. Um, But there's apparently a deeper story to it, maybe it's not quite as it sounds, but it was like famous people who very clearly don't care about Jesus were wearing Jesus as my homeboy shirts. And this maybe is more in the neighborhood of where we need to listen and what we need to think about. I think most church people saw those advertisements and were like, that seems bad. Jesus, and I, and I would just say, and I've said to my kids, Jesus is not your homeboy. He, he is not. He's many things. He's not your homeboy. Uh, that's not the best way to say this. However, I think many Christians are so unfamiliar with the way that the people of the Old Testament think and talk. It seems so strange that it actually seems wrong. The name of God for the people of Israel is so sacred. I mean, this is a name that God communicates himself. He chooses to name himself to Israel by this description, Yahweh. It is the covenant name of God. He says, this is my name, and I want you to know it. Authorized, the people of Israel are authorized to know his name. And yet they feel like they are so much on holy ground that they will never, ever say it. Never say it. They won't even write it, really. We, we have... Um, we have the, the word Jehovah, the name Jehovah. Maybe you've heard that. That's not in the Bible. We have that name because they're so reverential about the real name that they take vowels from a different word and stick it in the consonant so they have something other than the name to say. And any time when they come to the text... And they're supposed to be reading or saying out loud. In the name of God is in the text. They won't say it. They'll say Adonai. Because they, they are so reverential about the name. And Christians, um, I think, probably, feel that once Jesus comes, he has opened a doorway to intimacy and even familiarity with God that we should feel comfortable and easy saying his name. And, look, I'm not here to take that away from you. You should experience intimacy with God. This is one of the gifts that God gives his people. However, Jesus is not your homeboy. <laughs> and it is it's quite interesting. I was, I was reading somebody, I can't remember who it was, this week, and They said, it's really interesting how people today most regularly just refer to God, Christians, as Jesus. Just speak of him as Jesus. In the New Testament, after the Gospels, he is almost never referred to as just Jesus. He is described as Jesus Christ, as Christ, or as the Lord. And yet, for us, I would think, we live in a culture that does not value uh, the, the principle of honor 
or any sign of formality. Formality means fake, and it's inauthentic. And so we, it, we just sort of by habit and by instinct pull away from formality like that, which I understand. That's, that's the world I live in as well. But even the language of the New Testament doesn't quite use the same language that we do. Here's, here's how I think this looks. I'm, I'm probably talking to a bunch of people who, who probably, if they said, oh my God, they would maybe feel a little bad. That's my assumption. Here's how it gets sneakier. When the name of Jesus becomes fairy dust that you sprinkle upon the things that you say. Here's what I mean. Uh, we live in a sort of churchy, Christian-y place within a church and even in this wider culture. And so it's not uncommon to hear people say, talk about what they feel like God is telling them to do or giving them permission to do. And people will just say, I think God is telling me or I think Jesus is telling me X, Y, or Z or you know, I, know, I think God is telling me no. I think Jesus is telling me no. And to be clear, I think God speaks to his people, certainly. But it is amazing how often God completely agrees with whatever it is you want to do. It, it turns out God is calling me to whatever, sit and watch soccer and not help or participate in any way. It turns out God is calling me to nothing uncomfortable. Now, that's not always true. I, I do hear some people say, I think God is requiring something of me that's difficult. And I, I'm inclined to believe people when they say that God is calling them to do something that they really don't want to do. I tend to believe them. And I think that God does speak to you and, and maybe does tell you that at times you should do things that are delightful to you. But I also think it's really easy to take your own desires and to take the name of Jesus and just sprinkle a little bit on top and say, Jesus is telling me. That is a violation of the third commandment because the name of Jesus is not your fairy dust to justify and baptize your desires. Here's, here's the more convicting version for me. People suffer. They're going through a hard time, big or small. And I am very uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm very confident you felt this too. Somebody is suffering in front of you or near you or around you. And you feel bad. You want something to be different for them. You feel in the middle of that that you want to be able to say or do something to get out of there. Because you don't want to be near somebody's discomfort. The most acceptable thing for you to say as a Christian is I will pray for you. Now you didn't use the name of Jesus out loud. But you did. Because what you're saying is I will pray to Jesus for you. And what you really mean is, I want to leave. 
I don't, I don't want to sit here and listen to this. I don't want to sit and be with this anymore. I want to find some sort of like natural way to end this conversation. I will pray for you. That is so acceptable to say to anybody, and nobody gets checked on that. Like later, how many times you go back and say, did you pray for me? Probably never. It's rude. It would be read as rude. Like if you did that to somebody, it'd be like, hey, mind your business. Like my prayer life is not your life. That is a usage of God. It is a usage of his name to get what you want. It is a treatment of him that is basically putting God at service to your and mine discomfort. I cannot tell you how many times I have done that. So many times. How many, if people did check with me when I said I would pray for them, how many times if I had to just like truth serum, I must say the truth, how many times would I actually report back to them, I just wanted to stop talking to you about this. And that is a breaking of the third commandment. The name of God, the person of God, the God of the Ten Commandments is saying, is not something that is supposed to be so common to you and to I, to me, to his people, that we manipulate God for our purposes. That is the use of his name in vain. It means nothing. It is frivolous. It is meaningless. It is the debasing of his own person to suit my everyday wants and needs. And the third commandment, number three on the list, you will keep my name holy. When God discloses his name to his people, to Israel, and to the church, he is giving something that is not just a, a piece of vocabulary. It is not just a name that is aesthetically pleasing. It is not just a way to conveniently refer to somebody or to know to whom to address your mail or your prayers or your tithe check or whatever. When he discloses his name to his people, he is telling you who he is and he is offering himself to his people. And, and the insertion of God's name into my vocabulary and into your vocabulary is to put the holy into your mouth. It is the invitation into the center of all that is life and goodness and godliness, righteousness and peace. And he is putting it on your lips. Do not use my name in vain because you and I are being invited out of the ordinary and into the unbelievable the extraordinary when when the disciples in the books of book of acts that we just we read they put the name of Jesus out on the table they're not they don't 
They're not shy about saying Jesus' name. They, they don't feel like they can't say his name. They are insistent on saying his name, actually. So I'm not telling you never to say the name of God. But they, they locate something in Jesus' name. When they are called up on charges and said, this, this guy is healed now. He was crippled and now he's not. They're asking, how could you have done this? And whose name has this happened? By what power and authority has this happened? And they say very clearly that it is the name of Jesus by which people are offered salvation. The salvation that has come to this man's body has come via the name of Jesus. And you can hear that they are... The way in which they are speaking, the way in which they are living, they are not taking the name of Jesus. And again, just sprinkling it upon this man's need to try to get the end that they desire. Which is another way that you and I use the name of Jesus. If I just sort of pray a bunch of stuff and then in the name of Jesus, like maybe there's enough fairy dust on it that I will then acquire what I actually want. No, these men, they are standing before these people who have authority to hurt them, to wound them, to kill them, and they are staking their very lives onto the person and the holiness and the presence of the person of Jesus. And they are saying there is no other name that is like this name. There's nobody else that's like this Jesus. In the presence of his name, the presence of his person, storms into the ordinary places of their life. And it so consecrates the, the room, the area, their person, that they are saved and a man is delivered out of being a cripple. The name of Jesus is given over to his people. Not so that it would become so familiar and common to us that we throw it as an exclamation. Not that we just use and baptize Jesus' name to do whatever it is that we actually want to do. Not to just give us convenient excuses to get out of that which makes us uncomfortable. We are not given the name of God as a tool, as an instrument to acquire what we want. The name, the fact that you might know the name of God is God himself opening the door and saying to you and to me, come in. Jesus himself will teach you and me to pray. And what is the first thing that he does? One, he names God for us. You should call God your father. He reorients our relationship to God. What is it that we are supposed to ask? Hallowed be your name. That's the first petition that Jesus gives to us. Hallowed be your name. Let your name and your presence and your person in my life be holy ground. And this is the beauty of what Jesus does. He does not tame for us the holiness and otherness of God. He does not actually tell you, you know what? The God who speaks from Sinai, who tells them if they touch the mountain after this, that they will die. He's actually not less holy than that. 
He's not safer than you can imagine. He doesn't erase any of the stuff that's in the Old Testament. He doesn't change those things and say he's not the God speaking from the burning bush. He's not the God who's coming to crush any and other idols. He's not the God who doesn't ask this of you. He's still that God. That is still him. And he is your father. You and I, when we are so quick to move away from any sort of formalism, any kind of appearance of, of, of being overly respectful in some way, or whatever you and I might call it because it feels inauthentic or less loving, we are missing the boat. We are missing the picture. The, the beauty of this is not that God is something that you should toss around and be overly familiar with and comfortable with because that's what Jesus came to do. That is not what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to make the holy and unapproachable God clothed in flesh, coming close to you and to me and to be known with intimacy by the name Father. He is that God who is so unapproachable in his holiness. And he has approached me. He has approached you. God is not the fairy dust I can sprinkle upon anything that I desire and use him for my means. That is a desecration and a violation of who he is and it is a misunderstanding of the immensity and the majesty of God. And yet, that does not mean that God is remote and far and distant and cold from me. The name of God chooses to be hallowed by you and me calling him Abba, Father. This command is not an invitation or a command to slavery. It is an invitation to freedom and life and love and goodness. The law of the Lord is not confining you and constraining you and making God meaner and judgmental and ready to strike you dead with a lightning bolt and, and just making sure policing your speech in just the right way so that you would be somehow just barely, minimally acceptable to him. The Lord's name is holy and he has put it on your body. When he baptizes you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the shocking audacity of the gospel. The holy is truly and breathtakingly holy. And it has interrupted the common and ordinary of my life. And all of the ways that I would vainly speak and think and act towards God. All of my incompetence towards him. All of my babblings and misunderstandings. He would get on all fours with me. And teach me to say his name. Because I have been named as his son. When the Lord says to me and to you, do not use my name in vain, it is not because he is so fearful of his reputation. It's because he would not want you to misunderstand the beauty of the gift that he is offering you. It is not cheap 
It is not like anything else. It is the confrontation of the God of the burning bush placing his own presence in the center of your life. How can you speak of him as if he is something to be discarded? Today, you are being called here to worship. We are being called here to worship together out of the normal of our life. And you and I are distracted completely and blinded by the paying of bills, by getting dinner on the table and going to bed. That is the rhythm of our life and it becomes so easily all that we can see. And week after week, you are called to come here to say, this is not all that your life is. You are actually being consumed by the infinite divine holy love of the creator God of the universe. That is primarily who you are and what you are for. And today, if you are like me, again, week after week, saying, you know what I thought my life was basically all about? Getting to bed at night. That's what I've had my eyes on. This commandment is shocking you into being awake. And is offering to you freedom and life. And so today you hear his voice and you say, I have treated God as if he is ordinary, common, as if he's a piece of furniture that I optionally, optionally move around my room and sort of put wherever I like, wherever suits me best. If that's how I've treated God, you are now being confronted with the truth that you ought to repent. I need to repent. That is often how I treat God. And here's the good news of the gospel. Jesus came for commandment breakers. This is the only people that he came for. Because it is every single one of us. And if you have treated as common what is holy, the holiness and righteousness of God has been handed over to you as a gift. And he would treat you and name you as son or as daughter. And so today, if you hear his holy voice, and you have realized that God has been domesticated and caged in your life, do not harden your heart. Repent. Let the name of God not be spoken in vain in your life. And let him be uncaged in your heart. The ferocity of his beautiful love will quickly dispel any notion that he's just like some other thing that you control. And today, if you are here and you have never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you are hearing Jesus' name because he wants to save you. You are, you can know the name of God. That was his idea. You did not request it first. He disclosed it to you so that you would be marked and changed by him. And today, you may be aware that you have lived your life as if God is just an idea for other people, but he is actually a real and living person who is in the room with you. And if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart 
but call upon the name of Jesus. And do you know what this God delights to do? Is to save you. To deliver you from a life where God himself would be cheapened and meaningless and into a life where he is the center of your whole universe. And you will find yourself more alive than you have ever been before. That is what Jesus will do for you. Call upon his name. He is our great hope. And because of him, the name of God will be hallowed in the lives of his people. And this will be not just a command to us, but a description. And we shall not use his name in vain. One day, we can't help but see clearly and truly. And it will be impossible to speak of him as anything other than he is. And our whole lives, forever and ever and ever, without end, will be seeing and saying the name of our Father, who is this God, now and always. Let me pray for us. Living God, we confess that we have treated you cheaply. We have dealt you like a thing, and we are sorry. We who are your people have found all kinds of acceptable Christian ways to throw around your name, and we are sorry. We have sworn to you and by you to verify our own truthfulness. We have used you to try to acquire what we want. We have used you as an excuse, and we are sorry. And for some of us, we've never called upon your name and truly believed that you would be the one who would save us. But the name of Jesus is the sound of freedom. And we are so grateful, living God, for delivering us out of the darkness that we have dealt with, played with, and lived in. Jesus, I pray that we would be a people who gather around the breathtaking holiness of your life and your person. Help us to be free from the delusion that the things that we can see and touch and manipulate and control and crave and desire, these are all of the things that really matter. And you fit somewhere in the list. God, deliver us from that delusion and help us to see what this commandment points us to. You are so beautiful and good. Let us not speak, pray, or live with you vainly. Fill our lives with meaning that comes from you and you alone. God, we pray that your name would be lifted up in this valley. We pray that the name of Jesus that today is mostly a curse or a surprise for our neighbors and our friends. God, I pray that today those people who curse you, tomorrow would be the people who call upon the name of the Lord. God, I pray that we would be quick and eager to bring up Jesus, not afraid or ashamed but the name of Jesus would be so freely on our lips because we regularly, truly experience the beauty of your goodness. And I pray the name of Jesus will spread like wildfire throughout this valley and that you would change households, neighborhoods, school districts, this whole valley in the name of Jesus. 
It is in that name that we pray this morning. Amen.